and welcome back. If you've just popped over from episode one, this is episode two of our three-part witch trials for our fun little Halloween episodes that we're doing. Um, this is what, what the Forensics. Hopefully you're in the right place. My name is Nicole, and I am joined here again by the lovely Rebecca and Journey. For this part of our witch trial episode series, Journey is going to tell us all about the Torshaker witch trials. Um, we do want to note that there is a listener's discretion advised as there are detailed descriptions of child abuse in that case. But with that out of the way and being said, would you like to um, tell us all about the 1674 witch trials? Yeah. Okay. So um, the witch trials at Torshaker were a part of the series of witch trials and executions that were happening in Sweden. The, those witch trials began in 1668 and they ended in 1676. And so these witch hunts and trials were all triggered by an event that took place in Alvdalen Dalarna in 1667. So this event was an 11-year-old girl, Gertrude Sven's daughter, and a young boy, Mats Nielsen, were herding goats by the East Dahl River in Alvdalen. And so they had a fight. I don't know if it was verbal or physical. Um, some sources said that he got beat up by Gertrude. So they had a fight. Take that with whatever you want to. Um, while they were fighting, all the goats crossed the river. Gertrude went to corral the goats across the river once they were done fighting. And once they had like kind of realized that, oh, we lost all the goats. Um, so some sources say that Mats was too nervous to go get the goats with her. So that's why only Gertrude went. And later that day, um, Mats went home and told his father that Gertrude was walking on water when she crossed the river. And the father then told the local parish minister that. Um, so my assumption and listening to the morbid podcast, they said that he, his ego was so bruised from like losing the fight that he went and was like, oh, Gertrude could walk on water, BTW. Um, so the parish minister then interrogated Gertrude until she confessed, um, i.e. tortured her until she confessed. Um, she said, that a neighbor's maid had taken her and 12 other children to the devil um, to participate in black mass. So this place of the devil is called Blockula. And so Blockula, not Dracula, Blockula. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, It's a real place. And so it translates to Blue Hill. Um, It's an island where the devil held court during Witch's Sabbath, which uh, Nicole mentioned in her episode. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it. It's very good. Um, It was described as, quote, a massive meadow with no visible end and a large house where the devil would stay, end quote. So it is thought of as the place of the devil, but not hell. So it's kind of like his, like, conference hall kind of area. Um, it has been a place that witches have been rumored to gather since the medieval times, and it was first mentioned in a witch trial in 1597, but it wasn't until these Swedish witch trials that it kind of, um, gained some notoriety. And it can only be reached by a magical flight where witches and the kidnapped children would ride on fence posts, spits, beasts, or the bodies of sleeping men. So... I think this is where the whole, like, witches riding on broomsticks kind of came from. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I've learned so much about witches this week. It's actually unbelievable. (laughs) 
it's kind of cool too. Side note, tangent. Um, the when I was reading mine too, like it was kind of cool to see at the bottom of some of my sources. It was like, you know, we see witches today as like green with big noses and warts, but like we should keep in mind that these were actual people that were like, con- like they were actual yeah. witches in history, right? I learned that um, the reason that witches now wear pointy hats is because of the religion that um, Bryce and I were a part of. When they were first founded, it was in style for women to wear hats like that. Like that was kind of in style. And because this religion is so like forward thinking and allowed like female like ministers, Mm -hmm. they were accused of witchcraft because women aren't allowed to be ministers. Of course. That's that's so fascinating. Right? Wow. Yeah. So So much fun stuff to learn about witches. I know. It was shocking. So now I know (laughs) where witches' hats and broomsticks come from. So love that. Um, So the witches also had to be covered in a special ointment that was stored in like horns and was given to the witches by the devil himself. I don't know why. Um... But whatever. And so the witches would meet there for Maundy Thursday um, before Good Friday around Easter time, like uh, in Nicole's um, episode where she talked about uh, Witches' Sabbath. This is the same time. Uh, But nowadays you can visit the island by tour boat and you can get tours of it. And it looks kind of cool. So um, Gertrude had said that her nanny, Merritt John's daughter, had a birthmark on one of her fingers that looked like the mark of the devil. So we're seeing that also from Nicole's episode. Um, This mark of the devil is very important in this episode. So um, Gertrude's confession was the starting point of the witch trials, and the first victim was the maid, Merritt John's daughter, in September 1668. Uh, Gertrude and apparently 12 other children were sentenced to death uh, for having been taken to Blockula. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, it's so baffling to me that they're accusing children of, like, this kind of thing. Yeah, like, if you're going like, to accuse someone, accuse someone who is competent in what they're doing and knows what, like, spells they're casting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not yeah, just, just children wait. that are... Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, because, yeah, Gertrude and she said that, like, 12 other children were also taken to Blockula by this maid, um, XYZ. Uh, but the church intervened and the, their punishment was reduced to a severe flogging. So instead of death, they got pain. Um, in another interrogation after her flogging, Gertrude apparently also pointed out between 7 and 19 other women who were witches. And so this also um, kind of instigated the witch hunts. And um, when, like, those 7 to 19 women were interrogated, they would accuse others of witchcraft, and it just kind of snowballed like that. Um, Again, kind of similar to Nicole's, where they were just kind of, like, pointing fingers at everyone, and then they would point fingers at more people. So uh, we're jumping ahead a few years to 1674. Assistant Parish Minister Laurentius Horneus of the... um, Eton's parish received a commission from Reverend Johannes Watfrangius in Torshaker to track down all the witches in the Torshaker area. So Horneus was very excited about his new task, so he ended up burning one fifth of all the women in the parish in 1675. Um, this was the largest number of women to be sentenced and executed for witchcraft in one day in Sweden. 
Wait, they burned a... Sorry, they burnt a fifth of their female population in a single day? Yes, not a fifth of Sweden, but a fifth of the Torsiger Parish. But still, that's intense. (laughs) Yeah. So did... Okay. I'm just trying to, like, (laughs) conceptualize how large that fire would be. Mm -hmm. And how disgusting and how not great that event would be, but... Okay. Yeah. It's... This witch trial is just insane. Um, so Horneus and Watrangius saw themselves as chosen to fight the evil, quote unquote. Um, they were convinced that there was a giant struggle between the good and the evil and that witches were the tools of the devil. So they were kind of like the devil causing the evil through them. They believed that to save the souls of the witches and to spare them the eternal fire of hell, they needed to get the witches to confess. This is very important. Um, they also believed that torture was necessary to accomplish that goal and that torture was a useful tool for interrogating witnesses as well. Of course it was, because how else are they going to get them to say what they want them to say? Exactly. We talk all about that in our like false confession episode, whichever number that one is. Um, so the witch trials in Sweden were unique because they largely relied on children as witnesses, unlike the Pendle trials roughly 60 years earlier, where children were thought of as unreliable because children are notoriously unreliable, um, especially as witnesses. Um, Often, these children were children of the accused women. So um, whether it be like they were talking about their mom or their aunt or their grandmother, they were in some way related to the, the woman in question. And a lot of the time, the children would have wild accusations that were far from the truth, but no one even questioned them. They were like, yeah, no, that's fact. We believe that. Um, And some sources I had said that their stories would be brought out due to boredom, guilt, or shame. So, like, that's what we saw with the Mats Nielsen and Gertrude Sven's daughter, where Mats was embarrassed that he got beat by a girl. So he's like, oh, I'm going to turn her into a witch. Um. And so a lot of the time, these children would tell stories about how they had been brought to Blockula, what they had seen, who they had seen there, and what they had experienced, etc. And one little girl was forced to testify against her own mother, and she said that her mom had taken her to Blockula, and while she was there, she saw the women chop up children and boil them in a cauldron. So I don't really know where this whole, where that came from, because I feel like Nowadays, if someone said that they saw that, you'd be like, oh, they saw that on TV or they were playing a video game or whatever, but they didn't have that back then. So it's like, why would yeah, you think who's of that? Yeah, putting that into your brain? Exactly. Um, hmm. So the methods that Horneus used to get the children to give the testimony that he wanted included whipping them, bathing them in the frozen lake in the winter, putting them in an oven and pretending that he was going to light it and boil them. And supposedly, some of the children never fully recovered from the tactics that Horneus used, whether they were so, like, malnourished that they couldn't, or if it I mean, was, like, yeah. I feel like that would take a toll on you, for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Psychologically not- and physically. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like, not even just the malnourishment, but like you said, like, obviously they didn't know PTSD back then, but I'm sure they all had it. Oh, 100%, Yeah. Um, so once the children had confessed that someone they knew was a witch, that person was then brought in and extensively tortured slash interrogated. And if we remember, the only way to save a witch was to get them to confess. So no one was let go until they confessed. 
Um, apparently, a lot of the people who did confess were only confessing so they could go home to their family because they thought they would only have to deal with the church, not like the law. They thought, oh, I can be like shunned from the church. That's fine. Not, oh, I'm going to be given a death sentence. Um, so the parish also used young boys called viscosers who supposedly had the power to spot the mark of the devil. At the end of Sunday mass, the boys would stand outside the church. And when people were leaving the church, the boys would point out to the people that they saw the devil's mark on their forehead. So this was like an invisible mark that only they could see. Um, at one point, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, so like these young boys were just put in charge of just pointing out essentially anyone they just didn't really like in the community because they were the only ones that could see the mark. Literally. And everyone was just like, oh, we, we believe you. Yeah, 100% you can see the mark of the devil. It's interesting, though, that like children could never really be used to testify. And then in both these cases, too, like the Pendlewitch trials and this one, children are like the main component of them. Yeah. I have a feeling many, many witch trials relied heavily on children and the the sway of children's minds. Like, they're just so vulnerable and, like, their minds are so malleable that they're like, yeah, we can do what we want with these kids. Exactly, yeah. Wow. It's just Yeah, you'll wild. love the Salem witch trials. They are no different. <laughs> Jeez. Perfect. Um, so at one point, one of the Viscosser boys pointed at the wife of Horneus and um, was like, oh, I see the mark of the devil on her. But she slapped him. And he quickly apologized <laughs> after realizing who he pointed at and said that he was blinded by the sun. Oh, my gosh. So I guess if okay. any of the women had been like, no, little boy, you don't see the mark of the devil. He would have been like, my bad. Have a good day. My bad. Sorry about that. Yep. Carry on. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, so the district court in Torshaker began the trial on October 15, 1674. The chief judge was Johann Anderson Ambreas, and the assessor was Watrangius, um, who like started this whole thing. Um, about 100 people were accused by the children of practicing witchcraft and the abduction of said children to Blockula. Um, of these 100 people, we don't know if any were convicted but not executed, uh, supposedly some people had escaped and some women were not executed because they were pregnant. However, some sources say that the pregnant women were executed once they had given birth, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I also feel like the baby of a witch is something that the church might not want. Um, yeah, I was just wondering that, like, obviously they probably saw killing a woman who was pregnant as like very sinful Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like you're saying, if they truly believed she was a witch and witches are the work of the devil, they probably wouldn't want the child either. And I wonder how they would have dealt with that after the pregnancy. Yeah, right. I don't know. Um, either way, on June 1st, 1675, 65 women, two men and four boys were beheaded and burned at the stake. On the morning of June 1st, Watrangius conducted a service for the accused and those sentenced to death received their last Holy Communion, and only then did they realize that they were going to be executed. So after the Holy Communion, they started to march to the mountain where the pyres were waiting. Um, I'm just realizing that like Holy Communion is a very Catholic thing, um, but according to history, they should be a Protestant um, state. Witches or... The like Sweden. Oh, 
I think. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'm though, not- because the Catholicism being associated with witchcraft elsewhere in the world, maybe there was like a sect of them somewhere. Yeah, or maybe they mean like last rites or something. It could be some sort of translation error. I'm not totally sure. Okay. Um, but there was a quote from the wife of Minister Horneus because she survived, and most of what we know about this uh, trial actually was written down by their grandson. So she told him everything that happened, and he wrote it down, and that's how we know about it. So she said, quote, Then they began to understand what would happen. Cries to heaven rose of vengeance over those who caused their innocent deaths, but no cries and no tears would help. Parents, men, and brothers held a fence of pikes. They were driven, 71 of them, of which only two could sing a psalm, which they repeated when they walked as soon as it ended. Many fainted on the way out of... Many fainted on the way out of weakness and death wish, and those were carried by their families up until the place of execution, which was in the middle of the parish, half a mile from all three churches and called the Mountain of the Stake, end quote. And I've heard that this mountain is also called Witch Mountain. Um, so that just kind of sets the scene of the day. So um, Mayor Eric Lund was in charge of the executions and had two executioners Whoa. and had two executioners waiting at the mountain. The condemned witches were beheaded away from the bonfire so that the blood wouldn't put out the fire. And once beheaded, their families would undress the body and place it on the stakes and it would be burned. Which has to be so traumatic as a family member um, after like watching your mother, sister, father, brother be beheaded and then undressing them and burning them oh my god absolutely i i know that the courts probably thought that it this was like the decent thing to do for the family but it could have been the opposite <laughs> yeah 100 percent. um so something else that's awful is that the local court commission didn't report the sentences to the high court and executed everyone without confirmation from their superiors so none of these executions were lawful so assistant minister Horneus's mother and aunt were also charged with witchcraft and executed after the main executions in June, um, which is kind of wicked karma for him that both his, that his wife was accused and his mother and aunt were both executed. Um, his mother was accused of using a yara, which is a, basically just like a magical bar, ball of yarn that you put your blood into you say like a little incantation and then it kind of like does your bidding for you um they used it to like it's kind of like a sponge where it would like they would use it to steal like milk cream and cheese or whatever from the farmers so if anything went wrong on your farm you they um the farmers were like oh it's the witches um and there's only one case in sweden where the witch was actually burned alive uh, so Malin, Matt's daughter, was sentenced to death by burning on a f- bonfire on August 5th, 1676 in Stockholm. It was later found out that the person who accused her of being a witch had lied, and he was then also executed. Um, after this case, people began to question the validity of child witnesses, and many children were found out to have lied. Yeah, um, same with the pendle. After yeah. that, they were like, ooh, maybe we like shouldn't <laughs> use children. <Right? laughs> yeah, like maybe they're not reliable witnesses. Yeah. Um, so in Torshaker, the Visgosser boys were actually found with their throats cut after it had become bad to accuse people of witchcraft. 
I am not sure if that was self-inflicted or if someone had killed them. But either way, I feel like it was probably the latter. Someone else did that? That's intense. Yeah, like someone else did that. Yeah, probably like the family members of the accused or whatever. Um, So the witch trials declined after 1676, and the last woman to be sentenced to death was executed in 1704. And the last legal witch trial was held in the province of Dalarna in 1757, but the punishment for witchcraft wasn't abolished until 1779, which is kind of odd, but whatever. Um, In 1677, though, all priests in the country were required to tell their congregations that the witches had been expelled from the country forever to avoid any future witch trials or accusations. And so if there were any accusations from this point forward, they were just basically ignored, which is kind of good. And then in 1975, there was a memorial stone erected in Torshaker in honor of the victims of the Torshaker witch trials, which I think is very admirable because they're not like hiding from their past. They're like, this is what happened. We made a huge mistake. Like, let's kind of commemorate that so we don't make it again. Um, and that's pretty much all I have for the Torshaker witch trials. But I do have some fun facts about um, witches in Sweden, I guess. Uh, so in the 1600s, it was common practice that when a parish minister passed away, his replacement would marry his widow or daughter. And this rule was called preserve the minister's widow. That's just weird. Right? (laughs) I don't like it. Um, So Horneus ended up marrying his, like, the previous parish minister's daughter. Um, And a method they used to tell that someone was a witch was the water test, where the accused woman was tied up and thrown into a body of water. If she sank and drowned, she was innocent. However, if she floated on water, then she was a witch and should be executed. Uh, the woman was beheaded and then her body was burned on a bonfire. So, Which, yeah. They- <laughs> okay. Like, they're dead either way. It either feels way. like kind of an uh, ineffective test. Yeah, well, like, you're not testing anything. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> if she drowns and they find out she's innocent, Aren't they now just murderers of an innocent woman? <laughs> right? Hmm. Isn't that a sin? Isn't yeah. that a problem? It's <laughs> kind of like the main one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't understand. Um, and then just quickly, I want to mention Easter witches, which is a tradition that came out of the whole Blockula witches Sabbath um, legend. So... Easter witches are a Swedish tradition that can be traced back to the witch hunts of the 1660s and 1670s. And so it builds off the belief that witches flew to Blockula to commune with Satan on Witches' Sabbath, which supposedly occurred on Easter. Um, In Blockula, apparently the ordinary world is reversed, so old people become young and women take on men's roles, etc. So the belief of Blockula survived for centuries, and in the mid-19th century, Swedish Easter was considered a sacred Christian holiday, a festive work-free day celebrated with pranks, and at the time, a real fear of witches. People would also light bonfires and paint tar crosses on their barn doors to ward off evil, and many people started dressing up as witches during the celebration, so teenagers and young adults would wear clothes inside and out, and some would even cross-dress and age themselves because of the world kind of being backwards in Blockula. 
And so these costumed witches would travel around town trying to trick people into thinking that there were real witches roaming around. And uh, sometimes the witches um, would anonymously deliver Easter letters by throwing them at a house with a log of wood and then running away. So it's kind of like ding dong ditch, but like with a stick. And the letters usually were a painting of a witch and an invitation to join the witch's Sabbath. And sometimes the invitation was like an insult. And sometimes it was like, oh, ha ha, like come to the witch's Sabbath. And this is something that people are still doing today. Um, it just looks a little bit different. So um, for Maundy Thursday or Easter Sunday or Holy Saturday, like at some point during the Easter time, I think it depends on the region. Uh, groups of young girls will dress up in aprons and handkerchiefs and visit their neighbors or relatives, and they'll sing songs or give out drawings in exchange for sweets or money. I love wild. that so much. It actually right? reminds me a little bit of like the mummers tradition in Newfoundland. Like obviously a little bit different. I don't think the mummers were based on witches and like witch ding dong ditch, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's just fascinating that like there's so many different cultures that have such a similar story because like with the mummers like people dress up in like really elaborate not even elaborate they just they kind of look like ghosts but you put on like your like rain boots or like your sou'wester or like just any like strange clothing you have with like a hood or a mask and then they just go to people's houses and sing a few songs sometimes they get a little rowdy and they end up like stealing some of the the christmas dinner food which isn't a good side of it (laughs) but yeah no it just sounds so similar to like the mummer's tradition that i've grown up knowing it's interesting (laughs) yeah that's so cool well thank you very much for um teaching us all about the torshikud witch trials um, it's interesting that they put a memorial stone up, too, because they actually have one up in Pendle as well. Oh, cool. And um, there is a, what is it, a 40-mile um, hike or trail, 45-mile trail in Lancashire to Pe- from Lancashire to Pendle um, that, like, kind of commemorates what went on and you can kind of get, like, a history of it all. That's very um, cool. Only reason I know that is because I misspelt trial when I was doing my research. <laughs> and it came up as Pendle Witch Trail. <laughs> I was like, why? I love I, that. What is going on? Um, but no, I think it's I think it's super important that they like history is shown. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this was a very I mean, children were being tortured and people being beheaded. Like that's not something you can kind of forget about. Yeah. Um, if like if the country did it and we eventually as society realize it's wrong, I think mm-hmm. it's only fair and like just for the country to claim responsibility because it's yeah. like that's how we grow from things. That's how exactly. a country grows. Exactly. Well, thank you um for this lovely, lovely episode two of our witch trial. Um if you wanna find our previous one on the Pendle Witch Trials, as we've kind of talked about. Um, you can find that on our Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find that on our website uh, and YouTube. Um, our website is whattheforensics.ca and our YouTube is whattheforensics. Um, if you want to know more about just our episodes, what we post, or stay up to date, um, you can catch us on Instagram and Facebook at whattheforensics. And Twitter is WTForensicsPC. Our email, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, any recommendations, anything you want us to hear, 
you can reach us out or reach out to us at whattheforensics at gmail.com and give us a listen if you like us. Um, we appreciate that. And we love reading them and we love to see, you know, how we can improve our podcast, what we can do to kind of tailor to our audience members, um, because this is for you guys, essentially, not for us in a little bit of a way. Um, so, yeah, talk to us on all of the platforms. Um, but this has been part two of our three-part witch series. You can catch us in part three, which will be posted um, the same day. And Rebecca will tell us all about these Salem witch trials. I was going to keep it a secret, but I feel like we've already discussed it. So <laughs> maybe maybe I will spiel, um, spill that. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. And we will catch you on the flip side. Bye. <laughs> just a reminder to everyone that we are not professionals in the forensic science field. We are just interested in forensics and want to share what we are learning with our listeners. We're trying to give you the most accurate information, but we are human and can make mistakes. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next week. Bye.